Hello and welcome to the Tenda Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. I'm Noob. Well, soccer noob, I have to be specific, because joining me as always is my nine-year-old daughter, Person Noob, who wishes nothing more than to greet you. Hello! Every single week, we do mini previews for the 10 most important football matches anywhere on earth as we define them. Now, these are going to be top matches from the top flight leagues in any country in the world, big or small. Doesn't matter if it's the Europe, the uh, United States of North America, Oceania, Asia, Africa will go anywhere. League matches, international tournament matches, national team matches, men's or women's ball games. It's all fair play for us. If it's important where it's being played, there's a pretty good chance we're covering it. Plus, we're going to throw in our three wild and woolly bonus matches at the end as well. I promise you no other podcast does those or any of this quite like we do. And for better or worse, in any case, this episode, we're going to talk about matches from July 16 through 22. That's our week Friday through Thursday. Let's get it started, Person Noob, with... Match number one! We start things off on Friday, the first of two matches on this day on the calendar, and we're headed to the Elite League of Macau. This is the number 32nd ranked league in the entirety of the Asian Football Confederation. There's 46 countries. Nine teams are in this league. Uh, Because of the fairly low coefficient ranking within Asia, the champions of this one do not get to go to the AFC Champions League. They go to the secondary tournament, the AFC Cup. There's just three matches remaining in the season. It is all but over. And the matchup is second place currently, Benfica de Macau. Yes, Benfica. This was, of course, a Portuguese colony taking on number one CPK. Now, CPK currently lead by six. So, you know, they get a win or a draw here, any kind of positive result, and the league is theirs. Plus, they have advantage that they uh, lead on goal differential by 31. Uh, CPK also won the other regular season match between these two clubs, two to nil. Now we get to see how they do on the road. But first, we will talk about the home team, Benfica de Macau. The full name of it is really, really cool, I think. House of Sport Lisboa, a Benfica in Macau. Very fancy. Uh, It's mostly Macadese players, which kind of surprised me. I sort of thought this would be like, oh, say, San Marino, the little enclaved country in Italy where a lot of the players would come from uh, the larger nearby country. But they have mostly Macanese players and not a single one from, let's say, uh, China proper, since the two are closely related to countries, one system, I believe, is the political uh, slogan or way to say that. Uh, internationally, uh, this club's a really big deal for them. In 2016, they became the first Macanese team to win any kind of AFC match. In the AFC Cup, they won a qualifier against a club from Guam. And then in 2018, they became the first one from their country to win a group stage match in that event. They beat a club from Taiwan. They finished second in the group that uh, particular year, but didn't happen to advance. Domestically, Five league titles. They've won them all since 2014. Plus, they were in first place when the season was cut short last year due to the COVID pandemic. 2019, last full season, they finished in third place. This year, excellent record, as you might imagine, 12-0-2 on the year. Second best offense. They score over four goals per game. Seems like that would be hard to top. Defense as well is also second ranked, and they let in less than one goal per match. Now we'll talk about CPK, Chow Pak Kai is what that stands for. 
Take this with a grain of salt. I am not merely soccer noob, but noob in some other things. I think that this is either uh, some sort of IT or general technology company, or it's a university, or there might be some sort of hybrid relationship. In any case, again, grain of salt. Club was founded in 2008. They only reached Division One a few years ago, back in 2012. Uh, 2019 is when they won their only league title. Sadly, they don't have any international experience from that because the next year, thank you, COVID pandemic, the AFC Cup was canceled. Now, they have had some even more recent domestic success in the FA Cup. They won it in 2018, and they finished in second place in 2019. And this year, uh, remember I said with Benfica how it seemed like they would be tough to beat. Well, statistically, this is how you do it. They are 14-0-0, looking to just about finish off a perfect season. Number one offense, they score over six goals per match. I had to triple check it. Also, league number one defense, they have only conceded two goals all year. A collapse seems very, very unlikely, and we will be seeing them in the AFC Cup next year. Match number B. Thank you for dutifully reminding us, as you do every week, person noob, that the phrase, yuck, number two is bathroom talk. We believe in the quiet revolution that we are trying to start that is number B instead, the much more couth phrase to use. And our second match of the podcast for the second week in a row takes us to the nation of Somalia, their Premier League, which has 10 teams. It is unranked out of the 50-some-odd league associations in Africa. Their confederation, for some reason, only ranks the top 32, and only the top 12, quite frankly, get multiple Champions League berths. So this is fairly far down the coefficient list. But you know what? It's going to be one heck of a race. There's only two matches left. Uh, Number one, Horse Seed, is taking on number B, Mogadishu City. And not only are these two tied, but there are two other clubs within four points. So while the titleist will probably be one of these two, one never knows. Horsey'd have the advantage on goal differential as they are ahead by 12. Uh, they have really been in uh, good form lately because Mogadishu City, for as long as I've been following this club this year, from about a oh, quarter of the way through on, Mogadishu City has been in one in the lead. They've, uh, I don't want to use the word collapse necessarily, but uh, they've had a tough time as the season has uh, wound onward. Now, these two did play uh, one other time this season since the league does a double round robin, and that went to a 1-1 draw. Let's talk a little bit about horse, horse Seed first, H-O-R-S-E-E-D. They are the Red Devils, and they are an army team playing out of a district uh, depending on, I think, where you're from, whether you're from inside or outside the country. It's called Marka or Merka. It's in any case, it's about an hour or so south of Mogadishu City by car. It's a port city, about a half million overall in the metro. The 1970s were their golden years. They've got a lot of titles, uh, seven, but the most recent that they managed to win was in 1980. And then, obviously unfortunate for a number of reasons, but in terms of football for Horseed, uh, everything got stopped footy-wise uh, because of, uh, for them because of the Civil War. And then they've been very successful once they've been refounded, but not as successful as before. That said, they do have some recent success that they can hang their hats on. They won the FA Cup in 2019. I mentioned their current form. Here's how they've been able to make this amazing, unforeseen comeback. Uh, they've won their last four matches, and in their last 12, they are 9-3-0. Statistically, best offense going, only team that's scoring more than twice per game, and they've got a top three defense as well. 
Meanwhile, surprise to say this, your challengers, Mogadishu City, looked the whole way like they were going to be winning it. Uh, if you're a casual African footy fan by chance, you don't recognize the name. Up until 2019, this club for their whole history was called uh, Bonadier Sports Club. Uh, think Miami-Dade County. Basically, Bonadier is the name of the district that occupies the same geographical area almost exactly as Mogadishu. And this is definitely your current powerhouse. Nine league titles, they're the defending champions, and they've won it four times in the last decade. Offense is top four, not, not bad. Defense is where they get it done. They have tied for the best defense. But their form, as I mentioned, hasn't been as great of late. They are only one, two, and one in their last four matches. Match number three. We flip the calendar to Saturday and head back to Europe for our third match, but this time not for a good and proper mini preview. But first I'll tell you a little bit about the match that's inspiring the segment. Match number three, we're headed to the top Sierran, which is the women's top flight league in Norway. It is the number 14 ranked women's league in UEFA. That's down two from a year ago. Uh, because they've slipped this far, they only get two Champions League bursts instead of three, and they're almost halfway through the season. Now, the matchup is, at the time that I scouted it, listen to the inflected asterisk here, number one, Rusenberg, taking on number B, Sandviken. Uh, they're undefeated, both of them, and... Uh, they uh, Sandviken led Valarengo by three. I say led past tense because Valarengo have now caught up. They had a match in hand and I believe are ahead on either uh, points or goal differential, of course. But this is still a really, really big deal, even at number B versus number three. And just a side note, Sandviken lead the all-time series three, six, and one, or at least the recent series. Now, something I like to do with this podcast, it's not just learn about football, I like to learn about the world through looking at football. And one of my favorite things besides art and architecture, the some of the things that we do little tidbits on, I will do full on segments for food. And because I have a uh, maternal ancestral connection to Norway, I thought this would be a great chance for me to learn a little something extra. So first, let's talk about the city that Rusenberg is from, and that is Trondheim, which is a west central coast city. Far and away, this club is situated further north than any other club in the country. It's not even close. They're about uh, halfway up the West Coast, if you can imagine that, very far north. And while this is a national dish historically, it's really best known from this area, which is the fourth biggest city, by the way, and there is some, even some Michelin one-star restaurants. But I like to look at the traditional food. And the one I found is called Sod or Sot. It's, it's two D's, but it's almost a T sound. And uh, what this is, is a soup. It's not too terribly fancy, but it's still very, very traditional. Uh, traditionally, it's made with uh, lamb or mutton, and uh, it's usually formed into meatballs. And then the other primary ingredients are carrots and potatoes, and it's served very specifically now in a clear broth. And uh, the reason that's a big deal, not that this is uncommon to cuisine, but oftentimes if you don't want a stew where all the flavors are melded together, you cook a lot of the things separately. So the vegetables are certainly cooked separately, and then they're added to the broth later on. Not my favorite combination. I got no problem with nutmeg, but I'm not a big fan of ginger. So you cook your meat in the broth, your vegetables outside the broth, and then you get that ginger and nutmeg flavor that make it so unique. Interestingly, the soup has been a stable in cuisine. Uh, you can find records of it going all the way back to uh, 12th century AD. And today, again, it is mainly associated with this region, uh, Trundelag. 
uh, salt is usually served only on uh, like special occasions, Christmas and some of the other holidays, and is traditionally paired with a Norwegian flatbread on the side. Pretty good. Now, for something that's a little bit different as soups go, let's talk about Sandviker. They are one of the one of at least two clubs from the city of Bergen, which is much further south and west along the coast, second biggest city in the country. This is going to sound like a little bit more of a, uh, a recipe given than just kind of talking about it, so bear with me. Uh, your vegetables, it's very specific on the texture. You want to cut your carrots, celeriac, and parsnip into uh, matchstick uh, sort of shapes. Uh, you're going to peel and chop onion and potato. Uh, the fish that's going to go in this, it is a Bergen fish soup. You can find fish soup anywhere, but the Bergen variety is very, very well-known and very, very specific. Nevertheless, unsurprisingly, you treat the patties of the fish with lemon juice. Then you chunk those fillets up. You're going to do butter in a saucepan, do it over medium heat. You add the chopped onion first, not the potato, just the onion. You want to cook that in the butter until that is all soft. You're going to get a variety of textures with this dish. Then you add in the fish stock, and then you boil the whole dang thing. Once it's boiling, but before you've cooled it down, you quickly add the carrots, the parsnip, you know, all those vegetables I mentioned, salt and pepper to your, uh, your whatever, however it is you like. Then immediately reduce that heat down to low and only cook it for about five more minutes. It's fish. You want to make sure it's done. But you're, as I said, you're going to get a wide variety of, veg, of uh, vegetable textures with this. You've got your onions going to be real soft. Your vegetables are going to be tender, but far less well cooked. And that uh, fish has a very interesting texture because it's been boiled, but then cooled down so quickly. But the broth is what really sets this apart. Once you've done all this, you're going to let that simmer for those five minutes. While that's happening, you're going to whisk together heavy cream and sour cream. This is a very, very almost, uh, it looks incredibly thick and it certainly tastes rich. Uh, that's what you're going to have for the broth. It's going to look very chowder-like almost. And so then you add everything together, stir in the chopped parsley on top, and then you serve it immediately. It's got to be served almost boiling hot. Match number four. We stay on Saturday and we head to Major League Soccer. Quick reminder on the format there, the top seven teams from each the East and the West Conference, because this changes from year to year, like based on the number of teams and other things, get to go to the playoffs. The winner of each of the two conference regular seasons gets to advance straight to the semifinals of the playoffs. Major League Soccer is going to spend four teams to the 2022 Champions League. The two conference regular season winners the overall league winner, and then the FA Cup, the U.S. Open Cup winner for number four. Now, usually our MO here is to look at teams that are near the top of the table, but we want to spread things around with Major League Soccer. Let's look at a couple of teams that, even though the season isn't like nearing its end or anything, are right on the cusp in the table of making or not making the playoffs. Number eight, Columbus Crew playing host to number six, NYCFC. The two of them have 17 points each in the table, and they are tied in that regard with New York Red Bulls. This is the second time that these two have played this season. Columbus got a road win 1-2 to in the first one. Now, since this is a Columbus, this is a great time for me to uh, give a shout-out, a big hello. Do the hip kids still say shout-out? I don't even know. Proppers? Props? What decade is this? I don't know. But in any event, a few weeks ago, we had a character based on a uh, – crest that uh, the Columbus crew, which was briefly renamed Columbus SC this season, had a different crest. It had a little space-filling triangle in one corner of the forked pennant. 
And here Team Noob, we turned that into a uh, character. We probably weren't the only one on Twitter. And we actually did an interview with the character. We'll have to uh, scroll back on SoundCloud or Apple a few episodes to find that. But my understanding from the management, our editor and producer, is that we've hung on to a number of listeners from the Columbus area. So, hey, thanks for uh, keeping on keeping on with us. We appreciate it. Let's talk a little bit about the club. The crew is owned by the NFL Browns family owners, the Haslam family. Uh, as far as the play, internationally, they have made the CONCACAF Champions League uh, four times. They've been all the way to the quarterfinals. I believe that includes this year. Two league titles domestically, and they are the defending playoff champions. And yet here they are all the way down to number eight in eighth place. Kind of surprising. They've won the Supporter Shield. That is the best overall record for any regular season three different times, all in the first decade this millennium. They won the U.S. Open Cup once in 2002. Now, how are they doing this year? Uh, kind of mediocre at best. They're 0-3-0 in their current form, three draws heading into this game. And in fact, they haven't won a game outright since they hosted the lowly Chicago Fire back on uh, June 19, I believe it was. The problem is offense. A lot of trouble scoring. They're only tied for number 10. Uh, defense is what's been keeping them afloat. They are tied in clean sheets in that regard. So maybe their most important player overall to date has been their goalkeeper, Eloy Room. He is Dutch-born and bred. But if you follow international football, you'll know that he is the uh, longish time goalie for Curacao. As he has parent or grandparentage connections there. In any case, one other side note about him, he started his pro career, senior career, with the top flight team, or at least their top flight now, maybe they weren't then, Vitesse over in the Netherlands when he was 13 years old. Just astounding. All-around best player other than him for this team is going to be Lucas Zellerayan. He is an Argentinian central attacking midfielder. Four goals and just one assist on the year so far. Liga MX fans will know him well. He played for Tigres in Mexico's top flight from 2015 to 19. Now let's talk about the Pigeons. I get the New York reference, but kind of an interesting, you know, for such a tough, tough city, the Pigeons just doesn't really strike me that way. I love their main, and maybe it's their only supporters group name, the Third Rail. It's a very cool nod to the public transit system. The Third Rail powers New York City the way that they want to uh, fire up this team. That's what I read. They were founded in 2013. They are, they were, uh, no, not they are, they were. They are owned by City Football Group. That's the one that owns Manchester City and a bunch of other clubs around the world. 2019, they won the Eastern Conference. That's their best ever finish. And they made the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinals. Last year, they finished number five in the Eastern Conference and sadly lost in the first playoff round. They are my pick to get an upset this week. I think they're going to do it on the road because they've got the number three offense going and tied for the number five defense. Very, very well balanced. Their overall goal differential really indicates to me that this is a team that should be higher up the standings. Now, their all-around best player is probably Jesus Medina, Paraguayan central attacking midfielder. I wonder how long they'll be able to hold on to him. I got to think European scouts have their eye on him. He's just 24 years old. Already has five goals on the season, and he spent his first six years back in his home country of Paraguay with the powerhouse there, Libertad. Match number five. 
And this one, I believe easily, is the most important match in the entire world going on this week. We are headed to Africa. It's time for the CAF Champions League final. It's going to be taking place in Morocco, city of Casablanca, neutral site. It's going to be at 3 p.m. Eastern Time U.S. I do not know that it's going to be broadcast uh, stateside, at least in any way, shape, or form. I have to believe you're going to be able to find this online very easily once game time uh, comes close on Saturday, and I'm certainly going to be looking for it. The winners are going to qualify for the FIFA Club World Cup in Japan and will also be guaranteed a Champions League group stage berth in next year's Champions League there in Africa. And your matchup, it is out of South Africa, Kaiser Chiefs versus a team that even the most casual of footy fans, I think, will know. All Ailey out of Egypt, the team of the century last year in Africa and certainly this year so far or this century so far, I should say. Let's talk a little bit about each, and we'll start with, on paper, the home team, Kaiser Chiefs. I love one of their nicknames. They've got a bunch of good ones down in Africa all over the place. They are the Fafeni Glamour Boys. Fafeni being, I don't know if it's Swahili or a more local dialect, but it means like destiny, luck, or fortune, but I just like Glamour Boys. Uh, They are from the Johannesburg area, so Waito area, and a a district or township called Naturena. This is the singularly most supported team of all of sub-Saharan Africa. Big challenger for all lately. By the way, South Africa's league is rated number five in the in uh, in the CAF. This team has won four league titles. Most recent one was 2014-15. They actually qualified for this event by finishing in second place last year in the top flight there in South Africa. They've never won the Champions League. This is, I think it's the farthest that they've ever gotten. If they've gotten to the final at all before, I certainly didn't catch any wind of it, and they definitely did not win. Now let's talk about how they've done in their league. They're uh, domestically just finished, so this is always a really good indicator of how they could or should be doing. In the 2020-2021 National Division there, they only finished in number eight. Offense was pretty decent, number six, but they were tied for number 13 on defense. Big, big problems in the league. Uh, Their current form is pretty good, though, across all competitions. They have won their last three and got a draw in the one before that. In this event, they beat an excellent team from right there in Morocco that just would have loved to make the final there on their home turf. Why dad Casablanca, my favorite African team, oddly enough. Uh, They beat them 0-1 away and then got a nil-nil draw at home in the semifinal to advance. Uh, The group stage prior to that, they had finished in second place in their group with just a five and six goal differential. So there was that defense kind of burning them. Uh, On the event scoring leaderboard uh, for them is Samir Nurkovic. He is a a Serbian striker. And another league scoring leaderboard that could always play a big part of the tournament, of course, Lebogang Lebogang Manyama. I practiced that one and apparently needed to practice it one more time than I did. Uh, He is a midfielder, not likely to be there much longer. He has been in the eyes of some Turkish clubs for quite a while, and I believe the Kanya Spore is going to have him there next year. Also on the league assist leaderboard for them is Kama Biliat, a Zimbabwean midfielder. Now, all alien. They are the Red Devils based out of Cairo. Number one club in all of Africa, and the league is ranked second in the CAF. Uh, they qualify two different ways for this event as their league defending champs and this event's leading champions. In fact, they have 10 Champions League titles to their credit. They won last year's, as I mentioned before, that there had been a little bit of a drought, at least for them. It's hard to use that word when it's only been seven years, 
but for all Ailey, that constitutes a drought. Uh, they finished number three in last year's FIFA Club World Cup. I believe that's their best ever finish there. They've won uh, the uh, Premier League there in Egypt six straight times. In the current ongoing league, unlike South Africa's, uh, theirs is still running, the 2020-2021 Premier League. They sit in second place. They are actually 10 points behind Zamalek. That said, because of all the international play, they have four matches in hand. So it's going to be a really, really tight race, it looks like, between those two. They each have, I believe, just two losses on the year. Uh, they've already got the second most goals in the league and have conceded the fewest of any team in the league. Interestingly, in the group stage, they only finished in second place behind Simba of Tanzania. Uh, to qualify for the final, they beat Esperance de Tunis, another African powerhouse, uh, nil one and then three zero. Oh, it was it was rather a rout at the semifinal round, and uh, the most likely man of the match for them number one event score and number two Egyptian Premier League score this past year, Mohamed Sharif, striker, twenty five years old. He's been linked to Turkey as well. Expect to see him at uh, Trabzonspor next year. Person noobs sounding of the kitties can only mean one thing. Why? Well, your guess is as good as mine. But regardless, it means that we're going to take a break from tracking the current week's matches and do a recap of last week's matches. Do what we purport to do. Namely, that is track. So, match number one was a Saturday match out of Kenya's Premier League. And number B, KCB. And number one, Tusker played to a 2-2 draw. Match number B was Africa's Confederation Cup final. That is their equivalent of the Europa League. And it was Raja Casablanca coming out on top. Congratulations to them over J.S. Caballini. Uh, they won 2-1. to one. A couple players we said to look for had great games. Sofiani Rahimi and Ben Malongo both scored. And uh, Raja Casablanca, good on them for being able to hold on because they lost a man to a straight red card in the 63rd minute. Had to play with 10 men for a whole lot of the second half. Match number three, the Copa America final. Argentina beat Brazil 1-0. The biggest story is that Messi finally got his uh, Copa America win after a very long career. The bigger news here is that Nubstradamus, our inside in-house prognosticator, once again, amazingly, I swear that we don't plan it this way, writing these things up. He is O for every single week that he has made an appearance and tried to guess at the score. He actually went with the favorites Brazil and blew it once again. The curse of Nubstradamus. Match number four, we stayed in Brazil for a Serie A match between number two, Atletico Paranaense, and number one, Red Bull Bragantina. They played to a 2-2 draw. Guys that we said to look for, uh, for, Para, for Paranaense, David Terrans had both a goal and an assist. And then for Red Bull, Italo had the equalizer at the 80th minute. Sunday match number five was the European Championships final, and Italy won 1-1 and then 3-2 on penalty kicks. Match number six, the CONCACAF Gold Cup. The United States took on Haiti in a group stage match, and the USA won 1-0. Match number seven, we were to go to Mozambique, their Mosambola, their top flight between number B, Ferro Viario Beira and number one Black Bulls Maputo. But this match, uh, they either had their own scheduling wrong or got postponed. It is now listed to be played on July 25. Tuesday, match number eight, we went to UEFA's Champions League. First qualifying round, the second leg, or a second match in the two-legged tie between Valur from Iceland and Dinamo 
Zagreb, and it was Dinamo Zagreb coming away with the win, nil two. And they won on aggregate two five, so they will be the ones who are advancing. Meanwhile, the other team, uh, Valur, will be dropping down to the tertiary tournament, Europa Conference League, match number nine, the national championships in South America, Copa Libertadores. Uh, number nine, Sao Paulo, took on number three, Racing, out of uh, Chile. Or no, I'm sorry, Argentina. The winner is going to get either Palmyras or Universidad Católica out of Chile. That second one, that's where I got that. This first leg of the two-legged tie played to a 1-1 draw. Thursday, match number 10, back to UEFA, to the aforementioned Europa Conference League, where it was Spartak Turnava taking on Mosta. This was the second leg of their two-legged tie, and it was uh, Spartak Turnava coming from behind from the first match. They won 2-0, which means that they will advance aggregate on 4-3. Uh, man of the match that we said to look for and got it was Yusuf Bamadele. He scored the second goal for Turnava that advances them in the tournament. Then our bonus matches, explanations on these coming later. We did not have a route of the week. The only match that qualified was supposed to be played in Malawi's top flight, but it had been postponed. The most meaningless match in the world was supposed to be a Wednesday match, but the scheduling got moved to Monday in any case. It was from Aruba's top league, the División de Honor, and in between number four, Nacional, and number five, SV Britannia, and Nacional. They actually cemented themselves a league playoff spot with this. Not so meaningless after all. They won four to one, and so they are in the playoffs, and SVB will be out. And then finally, our match of disappointed. We had gone to Somalia for last place by a mile, Giska, Africa, taking on, playing host to number nine, Elman, and no surprise, it was Elman winning nil Five. So now El- Elman actually are tied for eighth place and ahead of uh, the team that they are tied with, Genio, on goal division by seven with just one match to go. So it turns out maybe not only are they not so disappointing, but they may not even get relegated. With that all said, that does conclude our recap of last week's matches. Let's get back into the current week's track with... Match number six. Flipping the calendar to Sunday, and we head back stateside for the NWSL, America's Top Flight Women's Soccer League. The top six teams out of the ten in this one are going to get to go to the playoffs, and the top two teams, and it's all one group, no separate conferences like uh, Major League Soccer for the men, the top two get to advance to the semifinals. And it is shaping up to be one of the greatest races in the world. Four teams are tied at 16 points right now. They're just about... Oh, 40% of the way through the season right now, I would say. Uh, The matchup we've chosen to look at here for Team Noob, number four, Portland Thorns, versus number B, Orlando Pride. Now, they must be using head-to-head, I believe, as a tiebreaker because Portland actually have the best goal differential going. They were in MLS. They would actually be rated number one. But they also have the advantage in that they have a match in hand. They have played one fewer game than all the other three teams that they're tied with. They've played these two teams once already this season, and Orlando won on their home turf 2-1. to one. Let's talk a little bit about each. Portland, my favorite to win the league. They have two league titles for their credit, most recently in 2017. They had the best record, won the Supporter Shield in 2016. The last uh, truly full season they played, they did the best they could last year with COVID with some sort of mini-events. But 2019 was the last big barometer, and they finished number three and then lost in the uh, playoff semifinals. 
this year, incredibly well balanced, second best offense, second best defense. And in fact, really, they've got the best defense going of the teams that matter. The only team that's got a better defense going, fewer goals allowed, is Gotham FC. And that's because they don't try to score either. They park the bus. They've only scored seven times all year. Uh, Portland's current form, it's okay. They uh, one win, one draw, one loss of their last three. Top 10 score is theirs to boast of, Simone Charlie. She also plays on the other half of the year with Canberra United in Australia. And this has got to be one of my favorite athletes here stateside. I love seeing somebody who can succeed in a number of different facets in life. She went to Vanderbilt, easily the best in the SEC for the university. She was a double major. She got a master's, I believe, within her four years there. And she's a world-class track and field star. Just incredible. Defense is where this team tends to uh, really shine, though. Tied for number one statistically is goalkeeper Adriana French. And then their all-around best player is probably veteran Crystal Dunn. She plays left back, and on top of being a sensational defender, she goes box-to-box because she has a goal and an assist on the year, to her credit as well. Meanwhile, Orlando, a club that's coming a little bit more back to earth. 2019 sort of being our – touchstone year. They finished uh, in ninth place. They're not used to the level of success that they've had just once or twice. 2017, they made the playoffs and got all the way to the semifinals. I think that's the only time they actually qualified for the playoffs, come to think of it. In any case, this year, the uh, offense is above average, tied for third best. The defense is where they struggle. They're tied for number six in the league in that category. Recent form, they're coming back to earth. 0-1 and 2 in their last three, and they've only won, in fact, one of their last six matches. Uh, if they are to right the ship, it will most likely be at the feet of uh, tied for number one league leading scorer, Sydney LaRoe. She is Canadian-born, but her dad is American, and so she represents the USA women's national team. And then you never know where the help is coming from. That's to Orlando's advantage, where things are getting set up. All three of the gals who are tied for number one in assists in the league all play for Orlando, interestingly. Match number seven. Let's stay stateside for match number seven, the CONCACAF Gold Cup. The group stage is winding up. The match we've chosen to look at is USA, since that's where we're based, of course, versus Canada. I think Canada is wrong. We're going with Canada. In any case, it's going to be on one of the big boy stations, Fox's main channel at 5 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Uh, both of these two teams have already qualified. They're going to finish number one and number B in the group of four, and they're both going to advance in the round of 16. But there's an advantage to who wins the group versus who finishes in second place in terms of who you play in the round of 16. So it's going to be a big deal to win this. And right now, Canada own the second tiebreaker. They have the same number of points in the table. They have the same goal differential. So then you go to total goals scored, and Canada has eight, and the U.S. have just seven. So they're going to come out and try to win this thing, of course. And uh, the winner and uh, loser of this, they're going to play either uh, Costa Rica or Jamaica. Costa Rica is probably the better team, and that's uh, the USA would rather play Jamaica on paper, I believe. Now, if you're listening to this show, as I've said many times in other podcasts, you're probably listening to lots of other ones. Thanks for trying out something new, unique, and interesting. There's probably nothing I can really tell you about the USA men's national team that you don't already know, and you can get that information from lots of places. So I like to focus on the visitors, or their opponents at least. So let's talk about Canada. They are rated as the number five men's national team in all of CONCACAF. FIFA ranks them just number 70 in the world. That's as opposed to uh, roughly number 20 for the U.S., if memory serves. 
the U.S. has won three out of the last six. They've got three a three two and one record against Canada recently. Now. Canada has some, yes, I'm going to use those uh, pronunciations interchangeably, by the way. Uh, Canada has some success in this event, even though soccer's never been the top sport up there by a long stretch. It's hockey, naturally. But they won this event in 2000, and then back when it was under a different name, but effectively the same thing, they won it in 1985. Uh, Mexico and the United States have won all the other versions of this event ever since. Uh, The last two iterations of the Gold Cup, Canada has made the quarterfinals. In the qualifying event for this, the Nations League, in the group stage, they finished in second place behind the USA, but they fared very well. In fact, they were tied in points in the table there and only lost out to the Americans on goal differential. So they've proven that they can really compete. Uh, Goalkeeper. It's probably going to be Maxime Kraypal from Vancouver. His performance is going to be absolutely key, or whoever's in the net. He was the USL goalkeeper of the year back in 2018, so he's really been coming along. And then far and away their best player, and on the offensive side of the ball, Kyle Lehring. He plays for uh, Turkish powerhouse Besiktas and is this event's leading scorer right now with five goals. And just to show that Canada's been in good form now, not all this competition has been really strong, I'll grant you, but... They are 39-3 and three in their last eight matches here in 2021 between the Gold Cup and uh, the World Cup qualifying events. So really outstanding, and we could be in for a whale of a game, especially since the U.S. is not sending a team that's using maybe their top six overall players. Match number eight. You get Monday and Tuesday off after a weekend like that, New Bites, if I may lovingly refer to you as such. We're going to come back on Wednesday for UEFA Champions League match. Wait, wasn't Chelsea just crowned the Champions League winners like seven weeks ago or something like that? Yes, but there are so many league associations in Europe that you've got to have all these smaller countries' champions play sometime, so just a couple months off, and then the tournament kicks off again. And in fact, they're already in the second qualifying round. Uh, these teams are going to play, be playing home and away against each other, so this is the first match of a two-legged tie. We're going to be looking at Legia Warsaw out of Poland, of course, versus Flora out of Estonia. And I've picked this one because Estonia's league is the lowest rated league that still has a team alive in the Champions League. So before we get to the second legs and we look for a potentially more competitive matchup, I thought it'd be fun to look look at a big underdog. Something interesting about this, just as kind of a side note, When you play in the Champions League until you start to get into the knockout stages months and months from now, the teams all drop down into the Europa League, the losers, that is, or at least that's been the case in the past. But now you have a third tournament, one below the Europa League, called the Europa Conference League. Now, there are two what they call paths here in the Champions League. You've got your Champions Path and your League Path. Here's what that means. Teams like Legia and Flora, they won their countries domestic leagues last year they're on the champions path but they are from smaller countries or more lowly rated leagues the loser of this and most of the matches all the ones on the champions path are going to drop all the way down to the europa conference league now there are also six teams on the league path which means they were kind of playing for uh, mid-size or mid-rated european leagues but finished in like third or maybe fourth place they were the last qualifiers for international play from those countries for some reason despite the fact that they didn't win their league the loser of those three matches drops down to the europa league third qualifying round 
I say that's unfair, and I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to someone. Now, let's talk about the game itself and the teams. Legia Warsaw, they were founded as an Army team like so many. When I first started following football, oh, about five, six years ago, Poland, I think, was easily a top 15 league, but they're all the way down to rated number 30. The last few years have not been great for this league, but Legia is pretty darn good. They're rated just inside the top 100 in all of Europe. Uh, to qualify for this game, in the first qualifying round, they beat a Norwegian team called Boda Glimt, 5-2 on aggregate. Uh, historically, they've had a little bit of success in this event. Uh, they won, or not, they didn't win. They made it to the semifinals of the Champions League in 1969-70. It's been a while, but they've had a modicum of success since then, or more recently. 2016-17, they did make it all the way to the group stage. Domestically, these guys are a steamroller collectively. 15 league titles, nine in the last 20, and they are the two-time defending champs. They won the extra class at the top flight in Poland by five over Rakow Chestakova. Best offense, second best defense. Number one league, league leading scorer is theirs, a Czech forward named Tomasz Pekar, who could be key in this game. Premier League fans in England might remember his name uh, from maybe about 10 years ago, Tottenham Hotspur had the rights to him, but they always loaned him out for some reason. And then tied for second place for league assists was Josip Jaranovic, another name to look for in the box score. Now, Flora, they are known as the Cactuses. Now, this is Northern Europe, so I don't know if they have any terrain that qualifies as desert-like. It could just be a reference to uh, the very, uh, perhaps, cactusy. It's kind of a dark mint green on their crest. Uh, they play out of the city of uh, Thailand. In the past, I've been pronouncing it Tallinn. Double L, double N has always thrown me off. And they are from the number 52 rated UEFA League out of the 56, the Maestra Liga. Nevertheless, they're still alive. How did they do it? Well, they beat Hibernians from Malta 5 nothing on aggregate in the first qualifying round. So they're on quite a little roll themselves. 2020-2021 Champions League, they made it as well. Lost in the first qualifying round. That's sort of their story. I don't think they've ever gotten a sniff of the group stage for this event. But domestically, wow, 13 league titles, two of the last three. They are the defending champions. and They ran away with the league last year. Usually there's uh, two or maybe three teams vying for it from what I remember. But 2020, they won by 16. Second best offense and number one defense in that league by a landslide. So I'm sure that's where they'll be looking to shine in this match. Nevertheless, Number one league scorer in Estonia by almost twice as many goals as anybody else, homegrown Rauno Sapanen, 25 years old. Could well be moving further west in Europe to a higher-rated league, especially probable since, despite the fact that he's only 25 years old. He's been that direction before. Past few years, he has been playing with both Division One and Division II uh, teams in the Netherlands and spent some time with one of the better teams in Slovenia's top flight. Match number nine. The last 10 to track day of the soccer week. Each week is Thursday. We usually don't have any Thursday games. It's kind of a slow day with the weekend coming up. But in this case, we do. We're back to MLS for our second match to cover. Number three, Orlando in the East, taking on second place, Philadelphia. Now, the table, when I scouted things, looked like this, very tight. New England, first place, 27 points, Philadelphia 23, Orlando 22 plus, Orlando has a match in hand against the others. Now, there might have been a day of games in between when I scouted this and now. So 
Just know that this was accurate at the time that I scouted it four or five days ago. Philadelphia's had the upper hand in this series. They lead five wins, five draws, and three losses. You can catch this match on the flagship ESPN at 7.30 Eastern on Thursday. We'll talk a little bit about each, whether we want to or not, because boo, Orlando, not a team that I like to root for, for two reasons. Number one, the Lions. Everybody's the Lions, or at least every other team. There are way too many Lions in soccer. But worse, the management and I refuse to support teams from cities built on swamps. It's bad earning, bad urban planning. Nothing good can come from it, including anything football related, quite frankly. So just don't bother rooting for them. Root for Philadelphia in this one. But how are they doing? Well, last year they finished number four in the East and made the conference semifinals. That's their best ever finish. This is a club that's only seven years old, and I believe it's the only time they've ever made the playoffs. This year, statistically, they've looked very good on the whole and balanced, second-best offense and defense. The recent form is a little bit troubling. They've got a loss and two draws against not all that great a competition in their last three. Uh, They've given up six goals over that stretch. But they've got a superstar that can always help them right the ship. Veteran Nani, Portuguese uh, winger that they have, well into his 30s. He is tied for number three in league scoring. He played the heart of his career with Manchester United, and he played for just a variety of top-flight European leagues over there until he came over to the MLS in uh, 2019. Uh, His style, just lovely. Good dribbler. Very, very tricky with the ball. Um, He's been much more assist-oriented in recent years, although this year they've had to rely on him a little bit more for scoring. And I love his celebrations. He's got a uh, capoeira, a Portuguese or Brazilian, I should say, martial arts background, and he always does a big, big uh, somersault. Uh, On the assist leaderboard for Orlando, setting him up is Tesho Akindeli from Canada. Uh, The name obviously doesn't sound traditionally Canadian as you would think of it. He's got Nigerian background on his paternal side. And then top 10 in goalkeeping for the season, Pedro Gaese from Peru. He's got to get things together. I think that's the weak link right now in the key positions. Mexican fans will remember him. He played with Veracruz in Liga MX before that team dissolved. Meanwhile, Philadelphia, the team that I think could put things together on the road, but this is a team kind of in an interesting form point as well. Now, last year they finished number one in the East, but they lost in the first round of the playoffs. So this is a team that should be very highly motivated, just itching to get back. They won the Supporter Shield last year. It's 2019 they had their best ever finish in the playoffs. They made the quarterfinals. This year the offense has been good, top seven. Defense has been excellent, top three. Assist leaderboard, probably their best all-around player outside of their netminder is Jamiro Montoyo. Montairo. He is uh, listed as a player from Cape Verde, or at least he represents the Atlantic Island Nation internationally. He's actually born and raised in the Netherlands. European footy fans might recognize his name from over there, but boy, you'd have to be a big league en fan from France. He spent 2018 through 20 with Metz, who might be in League Two right now, to be perfectly honest. I can't remember. But in any case, he just made a few appearances for him. Now, the player that is synonymous with Philadelphia for forever and a day, number one in the league in goalkeeping, Andre Blake, 30-year-old Jamaican, who has spent his entire career in Philadelphia. Hard not to love a player like that. For any Philly fans, a hearty dupe, although I'm sure that I'm doing that wrong. But I mentioned their form currently. They did win their last game, but they got a win, draw, and a loss. 1-1-1 one, one, one against their last three and not against the greatest competition. 
I'm going to pick them to get a point out of this game, but I'm not sure they're playing strong enough quite lately that Orlando won't be able to do some damage at home. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Oh, silly daughter of mine. Person noob, you know that we still have the three super fun bonus matches to go after official match number 10. And match number 10 is going to be an interesting one because it comes from South America. We haven't been there yet this podcast. The Copa Libertadores what they call the Champions League. It is the round of 16, and they are ready to play the second le- second match of the two-legged ties for those home and aways for each of these pairs of teams in the round of 16. You can catch this match on BN Sports and Espanol at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time if your satellite package runs deep enough. And the match, a couple of teams that have got to be tired of seeing one another. Number eight, Internacional out of Brazil, versus number 15-seeded Olympia out of Paraguay. A quick note about these seedings for the round of 16. They are only based on how these teams did in the group stage. If you were a winner, you were in the top eight, and then if you were the runner-ups, you had to finish in nine through 16. And since they put everybody into two groups for the draw and had a random draw, it didn't really end up mattering as far as the actual seedings. In any case, Internacional lead the recent series 2-1-0. and oh. uh, This is the second leg, as I mentioned. The first leg was a nil-nil draw, so everything is tied up. And uh, while Internacional had more of the possession in that match, Olympia out of Paraguay actually had more shots, more shots on target and uh, pretty close to 50% position, this possession. This is going to be a whale of a game. Let's talk a little bit about Internacional first. They are known as the Steamroller, and they are the number 18 ranked club in all of Conmebol here in South America. They play out of the city of Port Alegre. Oceanside City in the southeast part of the country, fifth biggest metro in Brazil, about four and a half million. Uh, they've got two Champions League titles to their credit, most recently in 2010. Sort of amazing that they actually haven't won Brazil Serie A since 1979. Shows you how just how tough the league is down there. And on top of having those two Champions League titles, they even won the FIFA Club World Cup in 2006. Last year in the league, they finished in second place. Halfway through this current season, uh, they are only in 15th place. So good for them for being able to get this far in the Copa Libertadores, but they are kind of crapping the bed, so to speak. Uh, One of my favorite new phrases, I guess, I remember using it last week. Uh, In the league this year, tied for number 10 on offense. They're not even scoring a goal per match there. And then the defense has just been abysmal. The only teams they're better than are the teams in the relegation zone in that regard. Now, if they can uh, right the ship or continue to roll here in the CL, tied for number three in league scoring, still getting it done, is singularly named Ed Nilsson, central uh, midfielder of theirs. European footy fans will know him from his Serie A days in Italy, as opposed to Brazil, of course. Uh, Played for uh, Genoa and Udinese. In the group stage that was recently finished, they went 3-1-2. and two. They had the weakest record of all the teams that won their group. That said, they had an excellent goal differential, 12-4 and just 5 against. That was 50% fewer goals than anybody else in their group before managed to do. But there were a couple of good teams in that group. They beat two clubs by just one point. Now, another guy to look for, I want to fail to mention, because he's had the hot feet, so to speak, for this event. He's not uh, on the scoring leaderboard for the league, I don't think, but for the CL, Tiago Gallardo, uh, homegrown, he has had several goals 
throughout the Copa Libertadores. The form is what really worries me. Uh, they just won a game within the last day or two, a league game against a weak team. But before that, they were 0-2-4 across their last six matches in all competitions. All right. Meanwhile, coming to town, the challengers, Olympia, even though they've got the lower seeding coming out of Asuncion uh, for this tournament, they're actually rated higher by Conmebol. This is the number 12 club overall, the pride of Paraguay. Three Champions League titles, most recently won one in 2002, Runners-up in 2013, worth mentioning. Uh, they have an Apertura and Clausura season, they, so they have a chance to win two titles per year in Paraguay, and they have won five of those in the last three and a half years. So last year, how did they qualify? Well, they finished number uh, B in the Apertura, which isn't good enough. Only the winners automatically qualify from each of the stages. And then they finished in the Clausura stage, just in number six in the uh, regular season, but that was good enough to make the playoffs and they won the playoffs there. So here they are. And they have the overall second best record in the league. Interestingly, then uh, this year in league, they finished in second place in the Apertura season. Once again, as the 2021 season for them is in full swing. So using that as our barometer, they've got the second best offense in the league working there. Defense has been very average, just number five out of the 10 teams. Uh, likely man of the match candidate, if they're going to win top five league scorer, Jorge Recalde probably has to show up in the box score. Group stage, they actually played in the same group and got paired up with them randomly here in the knockout round as Internacional. So they've already played them twice. And then nil-nil draw and then a 0-1 loss against Internacional in the group stage. And now they've already had a third game before this one. They were the only team that actually advanced with a negative goal differential. 13 goals, even better than Internacional, but they allowed a whopping 14. I have a feeling that could really come back to bite them here on the road. I think Internacional is going to take it easily 2-0 or maybe even 3-0. And now it is time for the three bonus matches, perhaps my favorite part of the podcast. And one of the things that makes it my favorite part is the fact that you, the listener, have a chance to decide what the magic content is going to be. No, you can't reach me right now. I already know what the matches are going to be this week, obviously. But you can find me on Twitter at Soccer Noob USA anytime. At the beginning parts of most calendar weeks, I put up a variety of polls with the candidate matches for these explanations will be coming what they are. But in any case, the point is that you vote on matches and the winners get featured on the podcast. And our first one is a first versus last place matchup from somewhere in the world from a top flight domestic league that we like to call person noob, the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. Mm, Just dripping with drama, isn't it? As well it should be. And the one that you have voted on is a Saturday match. Your winner is from Finland's Vikasliga, their top flight there. It is just the number 45 rated league in UEFA, uh, one of the Northern European leagues. They're not that strong, but they are playing deep into the summer, and that makes them fun to follow. They're about halfway through their season. Uh, because they're rated slow, lowly in the, UF, uh, in the UEFA coefficients, they get only the minimum, like one Champions League berth, for example. On the other end of things, equally important for a match like this, one team from the league is going to get relegated, and the one team might get relegated. They will have to play a relegation playoff match with the second-place team from the second division there in, in Finland. And the matchup that you have selected is number 12, AC Aldu, 
versus number one HJK out of Helsinki. This is the second time they've played this season. HJK won the first match at home 3-1. But we're going to talk about the road kill in waiting first. Aulu, and I hope I'm getting it right. The pronunciation I heard had a vowel sound I wasn't quite familiar with, but it's spelled O-U-L-O, and then that uh, secondary vowel sound almost doesn't exist. But in any case, that's what it is and who they are. And this is uh, the city, the club is named after the city that they're in, and it's the most popular city, or uh, populated silly, uh, city. It might also be very popular or silly. I don't know. Let's try it again. The most populated city in northern Finland, about 200,000 people, fifth biggest in the country overall, very famous for its uh, IT uh, stuff. The whole city is considered a, a living lab is the way I've uh, read it explained. Uh, something about ubiquitous computing gets tried out there where you can actually uh, go online on virtually any device. Uh, stuff about NFC tags all over town. I read what they were and I've already forgotten. I was an English major. What are you going to do? But then on the complete other side of the technology thing, something else the city is known for is annually they host the Air Guitar World Champion championships, the absolute opposite of technology because they merely mime it. In any case, back to the football. This is only their third season in Division I play in Finland, and uh, I don't believe any of the years that they've been in this league have been uh, boxcar. They've never been uh, consecutive. That's the word I'm looking for. Last year, in fact, they were in the Ikonen, which is the second league, the second division there in Finland, and they won that, hence the reason they're up here. And they are looking like they are going to go right back down, tied for number 11 in the league on offense. Worst defense, sadly. All-around best player they've got going for them is probably Nicholas Jokalainen. Uh, he's a central midfielder, normally a little bit more defensively oriented, but he's got two goals and an assist this year. Just 21 years old, and I believe before he started, uh, he spent his youth career years with Stoke City over in England, but he actually did some senior career play, had seven appearances between the years 2014 and 16, which means he might have started getting paid when he was as young as 12 years old. Uh, I don't think I was getting paid for anything at 12 years old. Just free chores around the house. But your likely winners in waiting, HJK out of Helsinki. This is the biggest club in the country. They're nearly rating in the top 200 clubs in Europe, in fact. To lend some perspective, because it's a pretty good league, uh, they're right in the uh, co club coefficient rankings next to Lucerne out of uh, Switzerland. This is the only club out of Finland to ever reach the Champions League group stage. Uh, that wasn't too, too recently. In recent years, as you might expect, they've been going a lot, but they tend to uh, lose quite a bit, both in the Champions League and the Europa League uh, in the early qualifying rounds. But domestically, they are defending champions. They have won three of the last four, and they're undefeated on the season so far. No surprise. Best offense working, scoring almost two per match. Number one defense going as well. They got two guys tied for number three in league scoring. I just happened to look at the one that had the cooler name. It looked like Rupi, but it is Rope Riski. And this team, by the way, leads KUPS, who are in second place by six points. So this is, they're not running away with the league just yet. It's too early for that. So they may very well be focused on that. And hence the reason that I call Alu roadkill in waiting. Could you be? The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. Yeah. 
You betcha. To kick off the second bonus match of the episode, we have, as always, ripped off a Prince classic ballad, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, to talk about the most meaningless match in the world. Now, what exactly defines that? Well, looked at every single top flight league in the world, looking for matchups of teams that are perfectly equidistant between getting any kind of postseason berth in international competition and getting uh, relegated or having or ending up in the relegation zone or like the MLS, which is the league which this match is going to come from. They don't have that, then simply last place. In any case, the most meaningless match in the world, teams that are not destined in all likelihood for uh, glory or infamy this infamy this particular year. Again, we're looking at Major League Soccer for a third time this podcast and the Eastern Conference. Hey, sorry, Western Conference. Sometimes it just goes that way. This match, you can catch it on FS1 at 8 p.m. I don't think that on your cable guide it'll say most meaningless match in the world in the description, but maybe it should. It's number 11 out of the East. FC Cincinnati taking on number 10 Atlanta United. Uh, here's how their area of the table works uh, or looks rather Atlanta trail number seven NYCFC by four points. And obviously they've got plenty. They've got some teams to leapfrog to get into a league playoff position. They lead Cincinnati by one and Cincinnati are up on last place inter Miami by four points. Let's talk about the team that might be in at least a little bit comparatively better shape, Cincinnati. Uh, this team was refounded, let's call it, three years ago. They existed as a second-level team in the U.S. for a while. They just joined MLS as an expansion team, essentially, three years ago. Last year, they finished in last place. So, hey, at least they won't be explanation soon coming in the third bonus match of this particular podcast. They've gotten promoted to meaninglessness. They've got the number 10 offense going just the uh, the second to the worst defense. It's kind of surprising they're even this high. They're giving up over two goals per match. Only Toronto is worse in that regard. Uh, All-around best player is probably Luciano Acosta, Argentinian, Argentinian central attacking midfielder. We've had a lot of those, and yet I seem to still struggle saying that position. He's had three goals and three assists on the year. Liga MX fans, yes. He was with Atlas, but he spent the heart of his career with D.C. United. Now, the form for Cincinnati, boy, they're doing – they've been okay on offense, but, again, that defense is just horrible. Their uh, last game, at least uh, when I scouted to do this broadcast, was a 4-5 home loss to Montreal. And it's not like Montreal is all-time great. They gave up five goals at home. Two matches before that were draws, so they have given up eight goals in their last three matches. They are not looking to improve in that category, it would seem. Now, meanwhile, Atlanta having a trouble of their own founded seven years ago, so fairly new, and yet they are on, I believe, their third head coach and about to be fourth head coach. They just within the last, I think, 48 hours of uh, me recording this, fired their coach. Not only were they not getting the results they wanted, but there's a pretty good chance that uh, the USSF or Major League Soccer was going to come in because he was uh, defying some rules regarding the collective bargaining agreement, not, not allowing for legally required days off for these players. And while probably not necessarily written into the CBA, players had a real problem. They, he, he was trying to be, just be way too tough, apparently, like not even letting them hydrate properly. So they have let him go and on the, on the search for a new one. And that doesn't bode well for how they're going to do in the short term here, certainly. Now, looking at them historically, Internationally, CONCACAF Champions League, they made the semifinals the last two years, did pretty well. They've only got one league title to their credit. Uh, they won the MLS Cup in 2018. 
They won the U.S. Open Cup, that is our FA Cup, in 2019. Statistically, offense has been their problem. Second worst in the East, number 13. Tied for number eight on defense, so while that's not exactly woeful, it's not helping them out by leaps and bounds. That's kind of surprising because on the goalkeeping leaderboard for the league is longtime veteran Brad Guzan, uh, probably next to Tim Howard, I'm going to venture a guess and say is the second best international uh, goalie the U.S. has ever produced. He spent the heart of his career with Aston Villa. So I think it's the back defensive line that must be very, very young or very, very old or just not good. In any case, their all-around best player other than Brad is probably Marcelino Moreno. Argentinian midfielder, three goals and assists on the year. Great passer, but tends to work way, way out of the back. He's not very much for setting up assists, just lousy on crosses, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Because of the trouble that Atlanta has been having, I have a feeling that Cincinnati is going to take this one. So, And I apologize for making that prediction because I have a feeling that the reason that this match won for most meaningless match in the world on Twitter is because of the aforementioned Columbus Crew fans that happen to follow this podcast. I'm pretty sure that they were the ones voting their in-state rivals, Cincinnati, as meaningless. Pretty funny. Now at last, valued listener, we have come to the end of our podcast road, the 13th match of the 10 to track. Well, I mentioned earlier I was an English major. How good did you think the math was really going to be here? Now, we've spent the entire podcast looking at great teams from leagues large and small in international matches between national teams from all over the place. But now it is time for the match of... Disappointed! Yes, between two teams that are worthy of just exactly that much scorn. The match that you have picked off the Twitter poll between two teams from somewhere in the world in the top flight league and yet occupying the bottom two positions in their table. It's a Saturday match, and for the second week in a row, although not for the match of Disappointed, we're headed to Singapore, their Premier League. It is rated number 19 in Asia, in the AFC. No thanks to these two sad sack bottom feeders. They're about halfway through the season there. And thankfully for these two, no relegation, so they'll be stuck at the top getting their butts kicked once again probably next year. And the matchup is number seven, Tanjong Pagar United FC versus number eight, Young Lions. Ugh. Don't like Lions, but it's a little hard to be too, too hard on these particular players. We'll find out momentarily. Now, uh, Tanjong, they lead Young Lions by four in the table right now. They lead the recent or all-time series, 7-2-4 and four record. They played earlier this season, and uh, TPU won 0-4 on the road. And let's talk a little bit about them first. They are the Jaguars. I love that. And never pronounce it with an I. There's no I sound anywhere on it. Doesn't rhyme with Maguire, New Bites. Be better than that. Jaguar. In any case, or Jaguar, if you really want to go British with it. In any case, this team is situated for their home pitch on the west part of the main island. Uh, they're in the very same area, might even uh, share a ground with Albirex Niigata, which is the reserve team of, I believe, a Division II Japanese men's football team. This team has had a lot of trouble financially, so it's no surprise that they don't have uh, probably real good players right now either. They've had to shut down twice, I believe, uh, since 2000 uh, because of financial reasons. They've reformed both times, obviously, at least once, because here they are. But they were not uh, playing. Uh, They had been dissolved between the years 2015 and 19, so they've only been playing again for a couple of years. The only times historically this team has even managed to finish in the top half of the league were in the uh, late 90s through mid-early 2000s. Last year, last place. This year, 
Number six on offense on defense, so they're right about where they should be in the table. Uh, the least crappy player that they have, top 10 league scorer, Brazilian Luis Jr. He's a forward, and he's been around. No matter how you like your uh, soccer, Asian, uh, whether it's Asian, African, doesn't matter, Arab, not Arab. He's been in Malaysia, Egypt, Oman, Jordan. That's just in the last four years. This guy has gotten around like a record. Now, let's talk about the young Lions. They are young for a reason. Um, I'm not quite sure. I read conf- seemingly conflicting, th- conflicting things. This is either considered by rule an under-21 all-star team of Singapore's or an under-23 team. I'm not sure which, but in either case, uh, this is a professional club, but they are owned and managed by the FA. Uh, and, in fact, they'll even recruit foreign players, uh, but only if they think there's a chance that that player might at some point have a chance to switch and might be inclined to change their nationality officially uh, to Singaporean. Last year, the kids finished in second to last place. Two different times, both in the mid-2000s, they actually finished number three. Uh, even if that made them uh, would have made them eligible by position, this team, and in, interestingly, the teams in first and last place, the Albirex Nagata reserve team from Japan and this team, neither of them is eligible for international competition. So kind of strange. But in any case, this year, uh, no problem with that for Young Lions. They're not even scoring a goal per game, and they're giving up almost three. Worst in both categories. Uh, the best, I hesitate to even use that word, all-around player they have is a 22-year-old, uh, Hami Siahin, Singaporean, a 22-year-old midfielder. He's got three goals for them. Interesting side note about him. You would think that this is sort of a youth team, youth academy kind of situation. You play for it, you move on. Well, he played with this team from 2015 to 18, very young teenager. Then he went to a different standard professional Singaporean team, Lion City Sailors. They're in the middle of the table. Played for them from 2018 to 20. And now, for some reason, he's back again with Young Lions. So kind of interesting. But the most important thing to take from this, of course, as always, both of these teams are worthy of your scorn, and that's why they are the match of disappointed. Yep. Believe it or not, that is how we end the podcast every single week. The match of disappointed. Why send you out on notes of happiness and joy when we can go with moroseness, consternation, wailing, gnashing of teeth, stuff like that. In any case, uh, folks, I want to send shouts out to thank you very much for the production and editing efforts of the management also to Dan, the interno or former interno Inferno. He works for the Swedish Women's FA now. I keep forgetting. Thank you for his efforts and inspiration. And of course, to my daughter, Person Noob. Mwah! I love you so much and I'm glad we get to do this together. And hey, thank you for listening. If you like what you, if you, like what you hear, we hope that you'll pass it on. It's a little bit on the odd side of the spectrum for podcasts maybe, but you know what? We do a lot of learning. We have a lot of fun and I like to think that it is a whole lot different than anything else you're actually going to find out there. So until next time, and I hope that you'll join me again, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.